0: This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from
1: across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back to the uh, the uh, second hour of Real Presence Live today. Uh, your hosts are myself, Jack Canelli, and Dr. Ryan Sappo, and uh, we're happy to have us with you today. And uh, if you care to... If you miss any of our programming, and you like, to, or you'd like to hear it again, I'm sure you're going to want to listen today's installment at least again, at least three times. Lots of
2: wisdom flying yeah, around today.
1: You can you, you can you can uh, you can listen to it on our, the podcasts at uh, Real Presence Live or uh, yourcatholicradiostation.com. dot uh, com. I think that's still the uh, the the name for that one, isn't it? Real Presence Radio, I'm sorry. I, I kind of dated myself on that Real one, Presence I guess.
2: RealPresenceRadio.com.
1: But before we get on to our guests, I, I was told by my son that uh, a young woman that he works with, her, his, her mother is a very uh, uh, avid listener to uh, Real Presence Live and to Real Presence Radio. So I want to give a shout-out to Vicky Carpenter out somewhere in hey. the western part of North Dakota. So, Vicky, if you're listening, we appreciate your... Uh, your, uh, your interest in our programming. So, thank you very much. And, okay, uh, Ryan, why don't you introduce our next guest?
2: Awesome. I, well, yes, we have them both on the phone. This will uh, be Deacon Zach Sheffbauer and Deacon Mitchell McLaughlin. I hope I'm saying your last name's right, but uh, personally I'm used to having my last names mispronounced, so correct me if I'm wrong. They're newly ordained transitional deacons to the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Thanks for being with, um, with us uh, today, fellas. Yeah, thanks for having us. Um, so, question for you first, Zach. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Deacon Chef Bauer. What? Uh, what? Uh, where? Where are you from? And and how did you? Uh, how did you end up becoming a transitional deacon?
3: Oh man. Well, I'm uh, originally from Aberdeen, South Dakota, just the northern part of the northeastern part of the state. Um, I did spend a lot of my my childhood growing up in Mobridge, South Dakota due to my dad's work, and we did eventually move back to Aberdeen, uh, where I attended Ron Colley Catholic High School, and it was during that time period that I started to um, become aware of, or this desire to enter the seminary and to pursue a, a Catholic priesthood, um, and for the last seven years I've been studying uh, philosophy, i studied four years of philosophy at Uh, the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, where I did my minor seminary, and then I was um, asked to study theology uh, over in Rome, and just finished my third year over there with one year left. Um, Yeah, and the reason I decided to really enter into this this vocation um, is really, I mean, just the, I was really struck in high school by the the, the profound depth uh, and and knowledge that the the church had and answering questions many questions that I had about the faith about kind of life in general um, but also a devotion to, to Mary um, mother Mary been a huge part of my vocation really since high school and um, it just I had this I had a I don't know a desire it grew from that relationship with Mary and with understanding and growing a knowledge of the church that this is something I wanted to do I was something I wanted to give my life over for um, to to spread the faith to to teach people the truth of of Catholicism and show them the, the joy that really uh, joy and truth that is present in the church.
2: Oh, thank you so much for your yes, Deacon Zach. This was uh, that's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh Deacon thank Mitchell, you. the the same question to you, Deacon McLaughlin, um how where are you from? How, what's what's the story? How did you get uh get involved in the in in the Catholic Church and how did you uh Join the priest. Uh, join the join the priesthood and join seminary.
4: Yes. Well, my story is a little bit different. Uh, than Zach's. I originally grew up in the Quad Cities, Iowa, that's North Iowa, to be the exact. Uh, but then I went to the University of South Dakota uh, for uh, three years uh, before entering seminary. It was there we discovered the faith, uh, the Catholic faith, and um, that's when I started uh, going to daily mass started praying daily and had these great uh, priest chaplains there. Uh, really, the call came about through prayer, and it continued uh, through prayer. is something I couldn't ignore. Uh, and actually, there uh, at USD, I had several friends. Uh, they left USD to enter seminary, and they were witnesses that kind of went before me about pursuing their, their vocation. I couldn't ignore my own call, and so following it, I just... Uh, uh, I had to say yes to the Lord, and I entered uh, one year after Zach, so I spent three years at USC and then another three years at Myers Seminary at St. John Vianney, and I've been at the St. Paul Seminary for the past three years, and when is my last year? Looking
1: forward to it. Okay, I uh, I've got a question, and I think maybe uh, uh, some of our listeners might have the same question too, or at least maybe we should impart the information we're yeah. talking about hmm. ordaining. You're being ordained as transi- transitional deacons, and also yeah. in the various dioceses, you hear about uh, men being uh, ordained to the permanent diaconate. Uh, yeah. Could one of you explain the difference, uh, just briefly, for our listeners? Go
4: ahead, Mitch. I guess you- <laughs> yeah, I can take a shot. Uh, I, guess the main difference is that we're transitional, so soon we'll be ordained to the priesthood. Uh, usually it'll be about a year. Uh, sometimes it might take a little longer, but, uh, for the permanent deacons, of course they remain deacons and they're usually married and instead say that, they, uh, they don't promise, uh, celibacy in the same way that we do. Uh, but we, of course, they'll make, make the vow of uh, and then are looking to uh, be
1: ordained priests. Well, transitorial permanent deacons. They they remain that, and are usually married. Now the the, the transitional diaconate uh, uh, that ordination entails some very significant uh, yeah. steps towards the priesthood that I think might surprise some people. Mm-hmm. Can you explain some of that? Go ahead, Zach. Uh, yeah, Zach.
3: Yeah. yeah, yeah, Um I mean, as Mitch mentioned, we take uh, a special promise of celibacy as transitional deacons, since we're ordering our lives not to the diaconate but to the priesthood. And part of the priesthood is this commitment to celibacy, living a life like Christ did—that is, without a without a uh, physical spouse. Um, so, and then a lot of the prayers, and even the the a lot of the prayers are. Um, ordered, you could say, or even explain that this is a, a preparatory step towards the priesthood. So the diaconate takes place, uh, some theologians would say, we, it takes part in Christ's prophetic priesthood, uh, the prophetic office of Christ, so the ability to teach and to preach, mm-hmm. um, but it's not fulfilled uh, completely in Christ's priesthood until we're ordained priests, and then we, we become partakers of Christ's uh, high priesthood, okay. his priestly office.
1: Okay. Is are the are the vows conditioned upon your eventual ordination to the priesthood, or you know, if someone were to uh, uh, discern uh, between the time they are ordained a transitional deacon uh, and the priesthood, if uh, if they were to discern out uh, prior to that, are they still bound by those vows? I'm. So, um, <laughs> I hope
3: I'm not wrong when I say this. I'm trying to remember my sacramental theology, but. Uh, once we make these promises, uh, so they're not they're not vows. Uh, so religious religious oh. uh, hmm. brothers and sisters make vows, which are promises between them and God. Uh, whereas our our promises are between us and the bishop, who stands in the place of the church. Uh-huh. Good um, to know. And so, and these promises though they're lifelong. It's a lifelong commitment. That's why the diaconate is such a huge step for us uh, seminarians, because once we say yes to those promises, there's no going back. Um, and if we decide, if you know, there are cases where guys leave for, uh, formation, um, they still have to go. I think again, I don't know if I'm correct in this, but I think they have to go through a process of laicization. Sure. So I that. Guess, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that. So the, actually, your, your transitional uh, diaconate ordination is when you really jump in the water, isn't it?
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. That's awesome. I, I'm. I'm curious, uh, Deacon Mitch, um, how. Tell, tell us a little bit about your home life and your family and like how how family life uh assisted you and aided you along the way uh on your decision to uh, enter seminary
4: uh yeah um uh, yeah the phrase goes you know all vocations begin with family and um you know, they'll up i uh, we always went to Sunday Mass and um uh, I went to Catholic grade school so that was uh really led at the first tea bed and first instruction in, uh, in the faith, um, uh, but it was, really, I kind of received the grace of uh, discerning my vocation um, at the Newman Center community and seeing priests there, and getting to meet priests, uh, I guess, as an adult, meeting them one-on-one, and that uh, was a large factor of my own discernment, and, uh, but my family have always, uh, my parents have always been very supportive all, all along the way, and um, just their their own prayers and their own support have um, encouraged my own faith and has uh, helped me to grow uh, in confidence in in, uh, in, in the the vocation that the
2: Lord has called me to. My understanding, too, gentlemen, one of you had a brother that got married very close to the ordination. Um, Can you talk, one of you, whoever it was, uh, about both of you entering the vocation at the same time or around the same time?
3: Yeah, uh, that was me. <laughs> my, cool, awesome. My, my one of my younger brothers got married five days
1: before the ordination. Wow! Uh, we should have your mother in on this. Interview. Seriously, <laughs> I know she was.
3: She was. Uh, she was strong. She she made it through, but I can't imagine the emotional uh, roller coaster she was she was on.
2: That's so awesome!
3: <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was great being able to see my brother get married before i was a deacon and he was kind of a it was you could say a physical witness to um a commitment to a spouse um so that i'm kind of going in you know i knew that once i'm ordained a deacon i also am committed to a spouse now and so to be able to see kind of fleshed out in my own by my own brother and his wife uh this commitment uh to a life of love and a life of fecundity and and of sacrifice that was uh yeah it's very powerful i uh, um it's very good to help me prepare for my diaconate
2: ordination. That that sounds like yeah, your poor mother. That sounds like a lot of fun, uh, but but also very emotional. <laughs> that is that is beautiful. Um, we have to take a short break, uh, but on the other side of the break, we'll be talking with Deacon Zach Schaffbauer and Deacon Mitch McLaughlin of the Diocese of Sioux Falls, just brandly new ordained, the baby deacons. Right after the break,
0: brandly live, engaging and local. This is real presence live
2: Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of the Real Presence Radio Network. Taking what you experience on Sunday in church and applying it on Monday at
4: work can be a challenge. This year's Faith and Business Conference will help you learn how to take faith principles and integrate them into the workplace. This year's featured speaker is Super Bowl champion and former Minnesota Viking, Matt Burke. Join us on Thursday, August 19th at the Convention Center in Sioux Falls. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to faithandbusinessconference.com.
1: Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. If you have lost anyone to a sudden or tragic death, you can still help them. Please visit our website, suicideandhope.com, and memorialize those that you love. There is no obligation or cost. You can simply enter their first name, initials, or a nickname, and I will personally pray for them and have a mass said each month. Welcome back for uh, the, the remainder of this segment of Real Presence Live. We're talking with uh, transitional deacons Zach Schaffbauer and Mitch McLaughlin from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And as, as uh, Ryan mentioned before the break, these are two brandly, brandly new, new. Uh, transitional <laughs> deacons, and we're just happy to have them here so Ryan why you, I think yeah. you had a question you wanted to kick off I, with here
2: we were talking over the break I, I I was fortunate enough to attend the transitional diaconate ordination in the Fargo diocese and one of the things that I thought was really cool that I didn't know was that the 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 newly ordained deacons or the candidates um, actually they sit with their families before uh, the the liturgy begins and so I'm curious uh, Deacon Zach what uh, what that means in terms of the the life of the church and like what do, what the priest or the future deacon is being called forward to do?
3: Yeah, I mean, at its most, um, at its most basic level, uh, the liturgy is meant to uh, reflect reality, um, and so kind of as we were mentioning at the beginning of this segment, with, or of the show, with vocations um, to the priesthood coming out of a family, a family life, uh, likewise... Uh, the vocation of the diaconate, vocation of the priesthood, to the service for the church. Um, on the one hand, you're not an isolated individual. You actually come from a community. You come from that uh, the people of God that you you grew um, with others around you who helped form you. Um, but at the same time, the, uh you're called. You're you're set apart. You get the we get that um, the notion of a of a vocational calling actually stems from the early church liturgies regarding, uh, like a vocari. so you're called out, you're called out from the, co- uh, out from the, uh, the congregation, from the community, from, uh, the Church at large, and you're set apart for this special vocation, um, and so that's why the diaconal the Liturgy, and I believe some places will do the priestly liturgies, uh, will have still that kind of that calling out that so you're, you're set apart for something greater, but you're still, you're not only coming from that community, but you're also providing a service to the Church at large as well by, um... By stepping into this new role,
2: Deacon Mitch, I'm I'm curious. I'm sure there were a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, a lot of beautiful uh, beautiful fruits that happened over that uh, ordination weekend. But during the actual liturgy, what was the most mm-hmm. profound thing to you during during that ordination?
4: Yeah, there's many great moments, um, but the one that stuck with me was the actual prayer ordination itself, and that's when. Uh, uh, the three of us were kneeling before Bishop de and, uh, he was just praying over us and he was a very prayerful man and, uh, I just, the, the words of, on the Diaconor are, are really beautiful and, uh, they kind of, um, explain our own mission as, uh, as deacons that, you we know, excel or abound in every gospel virtue, uh, have thing, love, concern for the sick and the poor, have an unassuming authority, uh, a purity of innocence, uh, and the observance of spiritual discipline. Uh, these things that we're called to do. Um, just the gesture of kneeling, um, you know, brought me uh, a sense of humility and uh, a sense of you know receiving
2: receiving grace. Deacon Zach, I uh, I'm wondering for you, you know, when you went through the ordination process. Right after ordination, the the liturgy of the Eucharist uh, begins and I'm sure there's a lot of changes that are happening. You know, you got new vestments and um, uh, a, a lot of emotions flooding through you. But but what what was different for you about that transition to now? I'm a deacon. I'm participating in the Eucharist in a different way.
3: Uh, yeah. It it's kind of like going from spectating a sport to actually playing in a sport. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm one. I'm one of the. I'm one of the. Uh, Masters of ceremonies of liturgy at our at our seminary in Rome and it's different having to direct guys but then actually being the one directed um, and to participate in the sacraments in a in a way that is uh, profoundly different than what I had done my whole life because now I have this special um, character these special graces that are given to me uh, for the benefit of the church so I think it it's it's been very pleased uh, black lack of a better we're very fulfilling. To actually, be able to exercise um, this ministry that I've been desiring to be able to say that I'm now part- I get to now bestow and, and minister the sacraments, whether it be um, you know some sacramentals like preaching or adoration, but also to be able to assist directly with the the eucharistic liturgy has been um, uh, it's, yeah, it's been impactful. I even just the other day, I had my first baptism, and that was incredible uh-huh. um, to be able to kind of give life to the church. To be able to actually finally do that is hard to put words to.
1: So as the Master of Ceremonies, did you have uh, liturgies where there were a number of priests involved, where you got to actually speak to them with a certain degree of authority when you told them to line <laughs> up?
0: <laughs>
3: actually, I'll, uh, I'll do you one better. <laughs> we had uh, the unlimited visits last year for Ooh. the United States Bishops, and uh, <laughs> We Whoa. were every every day the bishops were had a uh, a mass at one of the principal churches of Rome, so <laughs> uh, uh, at John Lateran, St. Peter's. So I was in charge of another uh, MC. We were in charge of St. John Lateran. Oh, and so wow. every like Tuesday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. I would bust over with bishops from a particular region. and uh, our our head of liturgy had said, You got to remember, you are shepherding the shepherds. Speak with authority. They trust you. (laughs) But, man, it is hard giving direction to all these bishops and, you know, (laughs) they're lining up to go to mass. You're trying to make sure everything's going well. And, yeah, so I've had some uh, fun experiences there.
1: Did you you say, listen up? I'm only going to tell you this once. (laughs) (laughs) Shut straight. Probably similar words.
2: Uh, well, the I, I, I want I want both of you to answer this question. So you, any of you can go first, but. I, I'm curious the the, the roadmap to, through seminary for someone who is listening in our listening audience, and they're thinking, "Well, maybe God is tugging me. Maybe Jesus is pulling me into uh, into a deeper relationship with Him through uh, through the discernment of seminary." Um, what's the roadmap look like getting into seminary? What's that process look like? And then, any words of encouragement that you have uh, that you might have for our future seminarians uh, in the diocese of Sioux Falls and beyond?
4: I guess so I can jump in. Um, first thing to do is uh, maybe contact the vocation director. That would be uh, at least for Sioux Falls or you know, any other people who are, are in the diocese, contact contact Bob Sampson. Um, but yeah, just get, in, get in that conversation with, they can direct you, they'll give you the application, um, and it'll kind of lead, lead you through that process.
2: Any words of encouragement that you have, uh, Deacon Mitch, for, for future seminarians?
4: Yeah, just to uh, continue to pray um, and start spending more time in the chapel. Um, and really, I'd say pray the rosary and maybe uh, ask a lady to uh, lead you to your vocation uh, and that, to give encouragement because the, the process can be long. It can be arduous uh, writing an autobiography and going through these uh, interviews. Um, but the, the pray and the Lord will sustain you through that, through that call, and uh, it'll keep you to the end like we're, we're both down. So it's, uh, a, it's a wonderful life.
2: Deacon Zach, I, I, I want to know from you if there are particular people in your life or uh, specific influences that you, you had either growing up or while you were in seminary who really, uh, really, really mentored you or guided you in the discernment process uh, to get where you are.
3: Um. Yeah, I think on the one hand there was just a number of priests. In particular, it was um, Father John Short out in Mulbridge for a time, um, and then Father Shane Stevens. These two were kind of the essential in 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 different ways. With Father Short introducing me to altar serving, which I um, began doing at a young age and had enjoyed since, and um, had a very profound impact on my discernment. Uh, towards seminary. And then there was Father Shane Stevens, who not only, um, kind of introduced me to greater to like the, the tradition of the church, both liturgically and, um, um, fundamentally with the faith and its teachings, but also to showing me what it really means to be Catholic. And I found that very attractive, um, in both these, uh, priests. So, and then I can just, you know, I can name numbers of other priests like Father Sean Haggerty and Father Jordan Sampson for just giving me great, uh, great examples of men. Of, of normal uh, men who are, have particular gifts and use them well for the, the, the Church and for the benefit of the faithful. Um, so they're very influential. Um,
2: yeah. Uh, deacon Mitch, I, I, I want to know from you, there, there's been a lot of changes in your life these last few weeks. Uh, is there mm-hmm. something that has been most surprising to you about either being a deacon or being in seminary that, uh, that you didn't expect when you were going in?
4: Yeah, I guess being a deacon... Um, it was just simply, uh, it, it feels natural. I was kind of surprised about that, that there's, uh, there's not too much of a, of a, of a change I experienced that, um, but I was really given the grace just to kind of enter in fully and, uh, to start preaching and, uh, preaching with confidence and just really meeting the people and, um, at Mass, has been a great pleasure, it's been a joy, I've been full of life, uh, ever since ordination, that's, uh, that's a good thing, i I've,
2: I love that it's uh, surprising. Is there is there more studying to do in this next year as you prepare for ordination to the priesthood? Is it something where you know I, I, I'm an optometrist, so the last year of schooling for me oh, is internship, where we like go out and do some clinical work. So is this something that's similar in uh, in the diaconate, where now you are serving, or is there more studying to do? What does that what does that look like in these next year uh, to eighteen months?
4: Yeah, so we try to never stop studying. <laughs> always a good thing uh but we do get a little more practical experience that uh, at the st paul seminary we have a great teaching parish program so i'll be be more involved there and uh, hopefully like zach said doing the sacramentals preaching uh exposing the blessed sacraments and um and being with the people so that's uh so spending time and that it's it's a little more we can do but also if we still go back to the studies as, as
2: usual Deacon Zach, are you, are you heading back to Rome then? Are you, is that where you're finishing studies the rest of the way?
3: Yep. Yep. I have one more year over there. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, to both of you for joining us and congratulations on your ordination. We've, uh, we've been with Deacon Zach Sheffbauer and Deacon Mitch McLaughlin from the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And, uh, thank you for your vocation. Thank you for your yes to the church. Thank
1: you,
3: Jack.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Ryan. Thank you, gentlemen. And, uh, Stay tuned, uh, listeners out there, because up next, I know you've all been waiting for this one, and that is the Honor Our Fathers segment of the program. And this is a, this is a, a part of our program where uh, one of the priests in our listening area is awarded a dozen donuts by a local, uh, a local business. And uh, I know we've piqued your interest because I know you're just waiting with bated breath to find out who this week's winner is, and we will do that